Hello everyone, thank you for listening again. Today I'm going to a totally different part of the world, Poland. Let me explain. I am part of the association Dutch Business Lawyers Abroad, and the members of this association are, as the name says it, Dutch lawyers located outside of the Netherlands. Our members are located in Russia, Canada, the USA, Brazil, Turkey, Curaçao, and in the European countries Spain, Italy, Poland, Switzerland, Luxembourg, France, Belgium, and Germany. All these Dutch lawyers are legal experts in the country where they are located, but they are originally from the Netherlands. For this DBLA series, I will first go to Poland. I've asked Remco van der Kroft, located in Poland, to tell us more about his legal practice in Warsaw, the Polish business culture and the recent political development. Remco has his own firm and is active in Poland since 2004. Without further ado, I'm introducing Remco. Hey, hi Remco, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi Troy, I'm fine. Uh, it's a beautiful autumn day here in Warsaw. Oh, that's good to hear. Beautifully red tree in my garden. Mm. Oh, in your garden, okay. That's great uh, to be able to have a tree in your garden. That's That's quite rare in Hong Kong, so that sounds good. So yes, you are in Warsaw. Can you tell us what the reason is that you ended up in Poland? As everything in life, it's a series of coincidences. Mm-hmm. In uh, 1985, when I uh, started studying, someone said, do you want to go on a student trip to Poland? Somebody canceled. There's a free spot. So I said, well, why not? And that was the first time I went to Poland. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody spoke English in Poland, so when I came back, I decided uh, to uh, join the Department of Slavonic Languages next to my legal studies, uh, and I learned Russian and uh, a bit of Polish. And then uh, coincidences started kicking in. I moved in uh, to a student flat, and my roommate turned out to be Polish. So. From what are, what halfway, are the odds? Halfway my studies, I started speaking Polish on a daily basis. Uh, mm-hmm. I traveled a lot to Poland at the time. Uh, communist Poland was a very cheap destination for a poor student to travel to. <laughs> uh, but then after by train, I, I assume you went by train back then. By train or by car uh, mm. through the old German Democratic Republic, mm. serious yeah. border controls with border patrols, with dogs and flashlights, and like in the yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> uh, after my studies, uh, I started practicing law in Paris in a firm that focused on the former Soviet Union, so it was mostly Russian that I used. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they, uh, they acquired another firm that had two offices, one in Moscow and one in Poland. And mm-hmm. Somebody came up to me and said, Remco, don't you speak Polish because we need people in Poland. Can you move to Poland? <laughs> before I knew it, I wasn't living anymore in Paris. I was living in, in Warsaw. Mm-hmm. That's a, quite a change, I can imagine. <clears throat> it, it, it was, it, it was. But Warsaw in the early 90s was a very exciting place. Uh, uh, lots of things were happening uh, just because... Uh, I knew that my father, when he had his own company, could deduct VAT 
I suddenly was the local VAT expert because they just introduced the VAT law. Nobody had any idea what it even was. Mm. Yeah, so you were ahead of time because you're coming from the Netherlands and in Poland they were just and things were starting very, things. Were very yeah. You had one foreign investment law, you have uh, a VAT law and not hundreds of uh, regulations uh, going into details. Uh, life was just much simpler than it is now to do to do business and, and to give legal advice. So uh, it was a fun time. Uh, I also met my wife then. And, mm-hmm. uh, in 95, after three years in Poland, I decided uh, I need to go back to the Netherlands to be actually trained as a as a proper Dutch lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we went back to the Netherlands. Uh, I worked there at a large law firm, which at the time had the ambition to open an office in Poland. They later decided not to. I worked for five years for uh, Ernst & Young Law, two of which I spent in Chicago. Mm. Almost Poland with more than two and a half people of Polish descent in the Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after a year back in the Netherlands, a headhunter called me if I wanted to start working for a French real estate developer uh, in Warsaw. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, after short deliberation, we decided uh, that was the right thing to do. Uh, to go back to Poland, take our kids to Poland where they'd never lived. They'd only visited their grandparents there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, since 2004, we're back in Poland. And uh, For the past uh, nine years, I've been running my own law firm with two uh, Polish uh, equity partners, four, mm-hmm. four partners, uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm happy to be uh, be working here in Poland. Yeah, you feel at home uh, now in Poland. Very much so. Sometimes when I visit the Netherlands, I, or especially now with this whole coronavirus, when I look at my own country, I think they are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in my country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, I think more uh, Dutch people abroad have this feeling. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, another question. So, you, so your wife went uh, with you from Poland to the Netherlands and then to Chicago and then back to the Netherlands and then to Poland back home. So, yeah, it is, it's, I mean, you went to the same countries, but she must have experienced it very differently from a p- more Polish point of view, of course. Yes, of course. For her moving to the Netherlands was quite a culture shock. Uh, probably more than me moving to Poland for some reason. Uh, it was fun to be in the U.S. together. We were both in a foreign country. We were both yep. uh, that that really uh, was a very interesting experience. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Recommend any international couple to move to a neutral country for a while. Yeah, yeah. You hear that more often, indeed. Yeah, where uh, both are equal again. Yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah, so you said that uh, you are now in a law firm with uh, two other equity partners. Um, yeah, your law firm is... Uh, can you tell a bit more about your firm and your daily work? Uh, yeah, we have a, a total of, of 15 lawyers. Uh, most of them mm-hmm. also, we have a very small 
satellite office in Wroclaw in the south of Poland. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, we have a solid client base of Polish clients, of course, mostly served by my Polish partners. Uh, but more than half of the firm's clients are, are foreign companies or, or uh, Polish companies with foreign shareholders. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them Dutch, but not all of them. Uh, we have clients from Germany, from Japan, from the United States. Um, and we try to help them navigate the uh, ever-changing legal landscape in Poland. And, and why is Poland interesting for your clients? Um, it's the biggest uh, market in Central and Eastern Europe, uh, in Central Europe. It is, uh, it, it is actually, of all the countries that, that joined uh, the EU in 2004, it's, it's by far the biggest market. And mm-hmm. it's a very uh, well-educated workforce. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few attractions, uh, and, and of course, still uh, wages are lower uh, than in the West. Uh, mm-hmm. Meantime, a lot of Polish people have moved westwards, working in the UK, working in Germany, working in the Netherlands. Uh, but those places have been filled by Ukrainians uh, moving westwards, and mm-hmm. for Ukrainians, it's very easy to work in Poland. Uh, a lot of them have some Polish roots, so they actually have rights to stay in Poland. But for mm-hmm. also learning the language is very easy. So after a few years, you hardly hear that someone is Ukrainian. They, they can learn Polish quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the attractions is uh, cheaper labor uh, for like blue-collar work. Uh, Amazon, which is not one of my clients, but they have big uh, distribution centers in Poland uh, Mm -hmm. or Western Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, then uh, there's the highly educated workforce. Uh, So there's a lot of shared service centers, uh, a lot of uh, very well-educated IT people. So IT companies come here to do research and development. Mm -hmm. And then there's simply the market full of customers who, well, <clears throat> still hunger for luxury goods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I used to know a Dutch guy who ran uh, a few BMW dealerships in Poland, and mm-hmm. he told me that whilst in the Netherlands at the time, it was a few years ago, the best-selling BMW was the One Series in Poland, mm-hmm. X5. <laughs> of course, fully loaded. So it's a, it's also an interesting market for um, yeah. a very yeah. developing market. The other day, I had visitors from the Netherlands, and we made a tour of the old town of Warsaw, where I hadn't been for a while. And suddenly, I saw that the local Hermes store opened. So, oh wow! Okay, <clears throat> yeah. So the so earning capacity is going up there in uh, Poland. As a result of decades of uh, improving the economical circumstances. Okay. 
Yeah, and is manufacturing still something that is uh, popular among foreign uh, still investors? Manufacturing is, is suffering right now through the coronavirus because of a lot of manufacturing is centered around car parts. Mm. Uh, of course, worldwide the car industry is uh, uh, suffering a lot through the coronavirus. Mm. Uh, people yeah. postpone buying new cars apparently. In uncertainty. Yeah. But in a non-corona situation, uh, yeah, having manufacturing uh, sites there, it's, it's still lucrative. Oh, absolutely, yes. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. Okay. So in your non-Polish clients, what kind of uh, cultural differences uh, are they normally facing? Well, <clears throat> um, it depends where they're coming from. Uh, if they're coming from the Netherlands, they're uh, facing a lot of cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I've been a member of uh, Dutch business lawyers abroad, such as you, I mm-hmm. uh, and, and speaking to you all about cultural differences in your countries, uh, mm. I'm beginning to get convinced that the Netherlands are the exception to the rule with business mm-hmm. and, uh, and not Poland. So, yeah, which is, I, I totally agree. Poland so is it's always when I, I talk to you guys, it's always that uh, the Italian or the Spanish or the mm-hmm. Polish uh, client or attitude is very similar to the Chinese. It's true. Uh, Poland is much more formal. So you want to regulate everything on paper. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't want to. Uh, you know, start working based on a handshake, which in the Netherlands still happens quite a lot. Mm. So one of, a large part of my practice is trying to help Dutch people who started doing business based on a handshake in Poland and all of a sudden saw their money disappear. Yeah. Um, What is the reason that they're so formalistic? Is that a result of the communism or is it more cultural? Because of uh, trust issues. It's a, it's a trust issue. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I once saw some charts of where the world was divided in high trust and low trust countries. And then mm. the high trust countries are the Netherlands and Scandinavia. Uh, and then it gets lower from there. So in Poland, you earn someone's trust. Mm. And the risk is if you start trusting someone immediately that you just met, uh, that that will be interpreted as stupidity or naivety. And, uh, yeah, so you basically just uh, write on your forehead, please take advantage of me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you have to be, uh, yeah, show that you know how to to approach a new relation, basically. Exactly. And uh, now keep in control, show that you yeah. check. Yeah, 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 and think about the next step, and yeah, yeah. and how to balance the situation. Hmm. Another yeah. very interesting uh, business line is 50-50 joint ventures that went sour. Uh, yeah, when it turns out they never regulated any exit clauses, they just gave money joint company, and it worked fine. Uh, until the original partners died, the next generation took over, and then boom. <clears throat> Problem. Problems. And then how, yeah. how do you dissolve a 50-50 joint venture without uh, 
destroying it completely. Or yeah. Not. But I think this is problematic in most countries. Whatever legal climate is going on. True, but you can avoid it if you think ahead and you sign shareholders agreements, you make arrangements on how to separate uh, in the future. Then you can avoid yeah. Yeah, so if you have a new client coming to you who is new in Poland, you will tell him, uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in Poland, um, uh, but that the client has to be aware of uh, the formality and the need to uh, invest in relations, to confirm in writing, uh, and the standard pitfalls, of course, uh, when you are um, having a business relationship with uh, with someone is there is there any standard or bizarre story or worst case scenario that you can share with us as a illustration how things can go wrong in Poland or are well let's not only be negative uh, how things can go wrong there's unfortunately uh, many examples mm-hmm. mm. I had one example where the bad guy was Dutch. Mm-hmm. He moved to Poland and he decided to set up a vacation park and he started marketing to Dutch people buy a vacation home in my vacation park. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is these people signed agreements at a notary and they also signed a lease agreement for the land <clears throat> and they were happy for a few years until things started to get unpleasant and then they called me and I looked at the paperwork and I said you don't own anything oh you, wow <clears throat> you paid for a house <clears throat> excuse me you paid for a house uh, that is part you know that's attached uh, to the land, it's it's an immovable property, and mm-hmm. so you don't own the land, you don't own the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought it was something like perpetual usufruct, but mm-hmm. perpetual usufruct in Poland only exists if the owner is the state, or, mm-hmm. or in the Netherlands you can have perpetual usufruct with a private owner. So basically, what he did, he took money to build the houses. Um, he signed these lease agreements. The moment these lease agreements would end, he would own the houses outright. Because he is the owner of the he land as well. And they, he got these people paying a lot of money for houses that yeah, actually are his. Well, but what's the role of the notary in this then? The notary only certified the signatures. And they thought they were signing a notarial deed. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't verify what the notary was actually doing, but yeah, it sealed no. the deal because it looks so no. very formal. Because they didn't know the language, because they didn't get local counsel, they had no idea what they were doing, and they just imagined that they were doing what they would be doing in the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good warning story indeed, yeah. The funny thing is I still don't know whether this Dutch guy did it all on purpose or whether he himself didn't know what he was doing. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we'll never know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So get, 
But they actually—they actually managed to solve the problem and. and uh, oh, they settled it, or they—they they, uh, eventually settled it. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. That's uh, better than nothing then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but lately, uh, Poland is quite uh, uh, often in the news. Uh, what is the pol- politics? What is the climate right now? In terms of politics, uh, politically, Poland is moving to the right. It's moving to what the Hungarian prime minister likes to call illiberal democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whilst for a while we all thought in Poland that this was a uniquely Polish, maybe Hungarian problem, when you look around at the world, uh, and again, when I talk to my colleagues, in DBLA that are in uh, Brazil, that are in the United States. Uh, this is unfortunately not uh, an, uh, unique anymore. Something that's yeah. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is uh, indeed the case. I can confirm that from this part of the world as well, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's a bit that's uh, changing and. Um, not necessarily for the better. Is that also uh, bad for business? Uh, not yet. Uh, not yet. Uh, uh, we, I'm, I'm involved in an interesting case where my client is owed money from a state-owned company. The state-owned company lost... Uh, sorry, my client is owed money from... Uh, a construction company, the construction company is owned money from the state-owned company. Yeah. The construction company won an arbitration against the state-owned company. The state-owned company went to the court, the common court, and asked them to mm-hmm. provide uh, the arbitration decision, which is something... Sorry, to ask them to? To overrule the arbitration decision, oh, yeah. which, of course, if you look at the New York Treaty, is something that should rarely ever, ha- ever happen, only mm-hmm, in cases. Now, I told myself, this is an interesting test case to see how politicized the Polish courts have been, because this government has tried to put in their, their people in uh, key positions uh, in the judiciary. Uh, yeah. It's going to cost the Polish taxpayer a lot of money in this case. Uh, and two weeks ago, the Polish court decided to uphold the arbitration decision. So, at least at that level, the courts are not politicized yet. Mm-hmm. Which okay. Is and there's many more decisions like that. You see, it's uh, it's much more difficult, luckily, uh, than we all thought to really control uh, control the courts. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, indeed good news. Yeah. Okay, so. Um... Yeah, if uh, for the corona, you mentioned it already that you think that uh, back home that uh, it is, for, yeah, you don't really understand the logic uh, how people react and how how are Polish people uh, around um, the measures against uh, corona? Are they happy when to you, wear a mask, for example? When you look at the big cities, I would say overall yes. Of course, like everywhere, you have those that deny and uh, do their own thing, but masks are mandatory in stores. 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, as of next Saturday, they're all even going to be mandatory on the street again. Mm-hmm. It's going up, mm-hmm. uh, the number of infections. Uh, when you leave the big city, you go to smaller towns, uh, people take it a lot less serious. Uh, okay. Yeah. Although even there, we were recently in a small town in the store, everybody was... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, wearing their masks very uh, diligently. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Polish people seem to be doing what they're told. Also, they uh, introduce quite high fines. If you don't do it, that will also uh, help. Yeah. And the Polish government has to do it because the Polish health system, public health system, is in shambles. Oh, so to prevent... <clears throat> the whole country going into chaos and have to really uh, limit the number of infections. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, interesting. I hope it uh, will go down also worldwide, but also in Poland, of course. Yeah, well, uh, all of the world seems to be working on a vaccine. Uh, In Poland, there's a group of people that say they have discovered a cure Oh, uh, with how serious are can we take that? Uh, no, I think quite serious. Uh, Poland, oh, is very, okay. Poland is very advanced in, 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 in medical research. I have uh, one client who is Dutch uh, and became uh, the chief scientific officer of a Polish uh, pharmaceutical company that does research into cancer treatment. Uh, okay. And... Uh, you know, this this is serious. So you have a Polish company hiring a Dutch expat, which goes to show that they are uh, working at a very high level if they can afford it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Quite serious and uh, willing to invest in the right hiring the right people. Uh, yeah. Polish research is at, at quite a, is, is at a good level. So if they say they found a cure and they're now testing it, I, I, uh, that might very well be true if the test turns out yeah. correct. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. No, very interesting uh, what you're doing in uh, Poland. Um, I can imagine that after people uh, heard you, hearing you about uh, your work, they want to reach out to you for legal assistance. How do, how can they uh, get in touch with you? It's best to go to our website, okwlaw.com. Uh, mm-hmm. There you'll find my contact details, uh, my email address, my cell phone number, uh, and uh, people who need assistance in Poland can feel free to uh, to call me. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. And uh, you also, t- I, I know from uh, from you that uh, learning Polish is not so easy. Is that correct? It's it's a quite complicated uh, language to learn. It's it's a quite a complicated language. Uh, the grammar uh, is comparable to Latin with seven cases. Uh, uh, it it makes it very difficult. Yeah, yeah. So you're uh, quite a unique person, I think, for um, non-Polish investors. Um, yeah, and it will help to uh, yeah to to get you involved before problems are starting. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you very much uh, today, Remko, for uh, telling us more about Poland and your work. Yeah, I hope that the situation will improve soon so we can all meet in person again. Let's hope so. (laughs) Okay, 
then uh, yeah, have a great day and thank you. So that was my interview with Remco about exotic Poland. Um, in the DBLA series, there will be more interviews with uh, our members in different countries. So uh, stay tuned. If you have any comments, let me know. I will be uh, very happy if you reach out to me. Okay, hope you uh, thank you for listening and hope to meet you again in my next episode.